Hi, this is Scott Johnson, host of The Instance, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. It's been a long con, but we've had a great time, and I hope you guys have too. Um, sadly, we're coming to an end, but we want to talk about Star Trek one last time before it ends. So, yay, Star Trek! Um, Those two switched outfits. Yeah, they did. Wow, you're observant. Sexy. Hi, ladies. How's it going? Hey. Didn't you see you listen to Looks like you made it home. Yeah, I did. Good. I made it back, too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, you would have had to make it home to make it back. Anyway, we need to get on with this. So Let's think about that. um, We're going to go down the table here and just kind of start introducing ourselves. My name is James Laird. I'm a local Star Trek fan, Doctor Who fan, Star Wars fan, science fiction fan. Um, I'm, I'm nerdy. I have been since I was a little kid. My first convention ever was a Star Trek convention. Um, and mom dressed me up in my finest little Starfleet uniform and entered me in a costume contest. It was, it was cute. Anyway, since then I haven't been able to stop. I have a problem. And, uh, I literally spend at least one night a week at a bar with these two idiots over here drinking beer. So the problem is drinking really. Exactly. (laughs) Drinking beer and talking about Star Trek. Or whatever else. Or whatever sci-fi we're on at the current moment. Let's move on down. Um, I'm just going to preface this right now. For those of you who haven't been here before, um, this is my real name. My name is Neil Picard, as in Jean-Luc. And I didn't change it. It's real. Um, And like he said, we're just turbo nerds. And uh, yeah, we're just here to talk. And I hope you want to (laughs) listen. If you don't, you have uh, one, excuse me, you have, actually, no, it's too late to escape. Yeah. Someone close that door and lock it. <laughs> Quick. Uh, yeah, good locking. And all right. Thanks, guys. Yes, uh, my name is Nicholas Clinton Grover. I'm a real life superhero. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 in real life. Mm-hmm. Real life. He loves hearing his voice more than a Cardassian does. Yeah. <laughs> What's your superpower? Epic timing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, Bill Sufan. I may not look it, but yeah, I did grow up with the original series as a kid and uh, went on to loving Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers when that was on, and the new BSG, and of course Firefly, and Star Wars and all of that. Saw Star Wars at the uh, Cine Capri. I'm Anthony Pascal. I run TrekMovie.com. We started in 2006. I just put the site up because I thought the the internet could use a Star Trek website that approached it professionally and, you know, tried to find out what's really going on. And, and, uh, but it was just kind of a thing I was doing as a hobby, and then it turned into the uh, number one Star Trek site in the world, except for StarTrek.com, because they kind of have that URL you can't get. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and over the last few years, I've had a chance to, you know, meet J.J. Abrams and... William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and, you know, all the people, you know, past and present. And it's just been, you know, it just started as a joke and turned into something, you know. So who's your favorite person to meet? Leonard Nimoy, of course. Um, I'll tell you a cool story about Leonard Nimoy. I I found out he was in the last movie before it was announced, right? So I sent off an email to his manager saying, you know, I know Leonard's in the movie, but I'm not going to tell anyone about it. I just want to get 
$50 million. Um, <laughs> I just want to get my name in for the first round of media interviews. This is when I was like way baby blogger, barely on the radar. And, um, you know, so I was just, you know, I assumed they were going to do a set of media interviews like Entertainment Weekly, yada, yada, yada. And um, I think I, you know, I just got an email back saying, you know, thanks or something, and, you know, and that was it. And then at Comic Con 2007, I get a phone call from Leonard Nimoy saying, you know, I, I, you know, let's do an interview. And I said, oh, so this is a round of all interviews you're doing? You know, you're doing, because they did the thing where they rolled out Zachary Quinto and Leonard Nimoy. And he said, no, just you. You know, you, you were nice. You didn't uh, spill the beans. So I thought, you know, I should give you an interview. And that just shows the kind of guy he is. He's a mensch. I would like, <clears throat> I'd like to say that's, that's sexy. That's supposed to mean. Did he say, I am your friend? <laughs> no. <laughs> of all the people you've met, was he the most human? He is the most human. That is true. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get this started. Please bear with me. I am losing my voice. I've been doing speaking constantly for the last four days. So if I crack, if I sound horrible, I'm sorry. I'm going to let these guys talk a lot. You know, and Anthony, I, I do want to thank you again for coming because in all reality, this is why I wanted you here because you actually add a bit of professionalism to a, a bunch of guys just sitting around making jokes. Well, you know, I, 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 this is what I do with my friends as well. Right. You know? So but you, you know, it's but no again, different. Again, credentials uh, is the key, the key point here, sir. <laughs> You're a professional. Yeah. Yes. Right. Knows HTML. You know, interview Leonard Nimoy. Instead yeah. of just doing this with our friends, now you're our friends and we can do it with you. Exactly. But, but I, I, I think, you know, what, what, I think what's interesting for me here is to hear as much of what the fans, <laughs> I, you know, something we do at the Las Vegas Con last year, like we did these panels, you know, where we voted on who the favorite captain is. And, you know, I'm as much of a nerd as anyone, you know, and I'll get into these debates, you know, because there's no right answer to any of these things, you know. There's no right way to be a fan, I don't think. You know, some people say, well, I'm a fan because I only like the original series and every, all the other shows suck, you know. And, you know, it's like, no, you know, we're all fans. I like everything. I like Star Trek V even, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the fan dance that really does it, actually. Actually, that's the redeeming quality of that movie. <laughs> I'll distract you with my fan dance. What does God need with a fan dance? Anyway, so let's go ahead and get actually on the topic here. Um, Star Trek has seen a huge resurgence in interest lately. Thank God for that. Seriously, thank Viger for that. <laughs> Huzzah. <laughs> no, Viger, I barely know her. <laughs> oh, I, I, I got there first. Yeah, We're going to go back to that joke again. It okay. actually got more problems this time than when I told uh, I know, right? It's because he said it. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, personally, as a fan, I went through years of just... It wasn't even a matter of I didn't like Star Trek anymore. I still did. It just wasn't on the radar anymore. It, and after, it, let me start by saying, after Voyager, it wasn't on the radar for me anymore. Enterprise came and went. I saw it briefly when it was on originally, but I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. And then 2009 came, and we got the Abrams film, and all of a sudden, Star Trek was the hot button again. Thank God for that, because that was my childhood. And for you nice older folks, it was even your childhood. I say this with the utmost love in my heart. I really do. I'm not calling you old. I only call my mother old and make fun of her about that. Yeah. And you, Bill, you're old, too. <laughs> can, old man. Can I, I want to He's ask an a old mayor. How many people haven't seen every episode of Enterprise? 
here. Haven't? Have not seen every oh, episode. I have seen every episode. So have not. Okay. How many people have seen, you know, almost none of Enterprise? Wow. You know, uh, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> you guys do not have faith of the heart. <laughs> you're not going where your heart will take you. No, it's that theme song that keeps you from watching it, actually. No. No, oh, no dude. It grows I, on you. I see no, it Like a tumor. It does Look, that's, not that's what fast forward's for. Look, right. the, um, you know, I, I admit I untracked myself in the 90s. I was a huge fan in the 80s, obviously with the movies and Next Generation. Then for some reason I kind of couldn't get that into DS9. Then life got too complicated. Didn't like Voyager that much, and and you know wasn't that into Enterprise. But then I I kind of rediscovered the show. Right. And I you know I I watched it all on a DVD. All of the you know, I watched all of Deep Space Nine on a DVD, and I realized like oh my god this is it's now my favorite Star Trek series. Which and one? Deep Space Nine. You yeah. know the same yeah. thing happened. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, especially Anthony. when you watch it on on DVD or Netflix now, with the whole things on Netflix, right? And you could see how well serialized it is, and how well it ties together. And um, it takes a season and a half to get its act together. But you know, the only series that did well in its first season was the original series. All the other ones, first seasons, are pretty crappy. Exactly. Um, you know, you know, Enterprise, all of them. You know, Voyager. <laughs> Too bad Enterprise only had four. Yeah, well, but I, my point was when on Enterprise, it the first two seasons were slow and it was hard to find good nuggets. Third season, I think, is very tight and very a good season, and mm-hmm. and the fourth season is is great, especially if you're a fan because they by the fourth season they gave up on trying to track new audience, so it was really a fan reach around the whole right. season. You know, I mean, it was just it was good though. You know. You know, they were really just playing to the base. They were like, oh, how, you know, let's explain why Klingons had ridges, you know. Let's, Thank God you know, for that. You know, because we really needed to know that. But it, it's at least stuff, you know, we were more interested in, you know, bits of the founding of the Federation, you know, harking on the Romulan War. And I think if you haven't seen it and you're a Star Trek fan, there's no reason why you shouldn't. And to right. Yeah. And just yeah, found. Yeah, Jolene Blaylock I, grows on you. She's actually a good actress, and you know she and wears she's very suit. talented. Yeah. yeah, those scenes yeah. with her and Trip, with the oh, ge- with the oh. the antibacterial gel, the biomimetic gel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh come on, watch any watch the original series. I mean, some of the outfits that the women wear on the original That's series. Like are you trying to, you know, in, in the 1960s, that, that show was more titillating than Enterprise on any day. No, no. I, was, I don't you know, know. So. Uh, I don't know. I, no, I will say, though, I mean, uh, looking at, and I brought this over to another panel, but I don't remember which one. Looking at the outfits that we see today that young women wear, is it really that hard to imagine short little skirts in space nowadays? I mean, they are open sexually and, like, you know, they're open to everything, so why not? For me, it's really easy to imagine. I'm sure it is. (laughs) And Reagan's. You know... (laughs) Oh, yeah, Porthos was amazing. Porthos was the best character. Yeah, he was. He had the best lines. <laughs> or Mary Association loved that dog. Yeah. But, I mean, he's the only one who could find the Sulaban on the ship. Because, like, you know, he'd be all cloaked and, like, shh, shh, shh. and then Porthos would be like, there's something going on. But anyway, you got to watch it. Anyway. You're right, that was a really good line. <laughs> when, the, when the dog said, what, what's that? Hey, what's that? 
plus one thing I liked about Enterprise was that uh, sense of discovery they had. Like they were just creating everything new and discovering everything for the first time and kind of creating, setting up Star Trek. And it's like, ooh, what's going to happen? But you kind of already knew. But at the same time, there's a sense of discovery. It had a Star Trek feel. It had a Star Trek feel to it, but it was totally uh, different from any of the other series. Because I know, as, as Neil said in other panels, as we discussed Enterprise, Archer was writing the book on being a space explorer at that time. Um, and that's one thing, one reason why I really like Enterprise. Once I, um, once I got into it, I um, got past the first two seasons, thankfully, and kept watching. And I'm like, wow, this is actually a really good show. Um, and by, you know, the, the history that you see them establish and seeing the creation of the Federation, that's something, I mean, at least for me, that I've wanted to know about more about for years and years and years. And they've touched briefly on it but you've never really saw it. So it was really interesting to finally see that kind of played oh out God. actually in the show. Welcome, I, latecomers. How are you guys doing? I mean, I, I would argue that the thing that was wrong about the show was that it wasn't different enough. You know, it, 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 the, the real failure of Voyager was that it kept on trying to replicate the next generation's success. And... The Next Generation was a phenomenal success. It was the first syndicated show to be a hit. Um, you know, no one thought it would really work, and so there was a formula, and, and, and that formula was the way the show was written, uh, the act structure, the way it was directed, and so the people behind the show, specifically Rick Berman, and I don't want to bash Rick Berman because he did a lot of great things, but he <laughs> was afraid of things. He, he was afraid of breaking the mold, and so Voy, you know. As, as television was evolving, if you look through the 90s and into the late 90s, you know, the, the t television was changing and going into the 2000s. You, you, know, you think about shows like The West Wing and you know, uh, 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 X-Files and other shows that were changing television and Star Trek wasn't changing and it was becoming oddly a futuristic show that felt dated. And the early seasons of Enterprise, I felt, was just Voyager with gray paint, you know. And it, they didn't really get that they had to, you know. And then in the fourth, se third season, they're like, oh, my God, we've got to, you know, join the 21st century. Let's copy 24 for a season. Now, in, you know, it worked because they brought in a new showrunner, Manny Cotto, and he knew what he was doing. Um, and if they ever create a new Star Trek show, he should certainly be on the list, short list, for creator. So, you know, but say that Enterprise was, you know, different. You know, I wish it was radically different yeah. from any Star Trek show. Star Trek show, you know, I mean, yeah, we want comfort food. We want the same thing over again, but it should be relevant to the day. It should be as modern as possible. The next Star Trek series should not look or feel anything like the original series or the next generation. It should look like a show for 2017 or whenever it comes out because we fell in love when, with Star Trek. How many people here... Fell in love with Star Trek before they were 18. Raise your hands. Okay. So, so do we want them to create a show for 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds, or do we want them to create a show for people who are currently 14 or 13, you know? And, and I don't mean make a kid's show, but make a show that could appeal to a broad audience and, and create new versions of yourselves, and, uh, you know, so that's my point of view. I, I know, like, we want them to create a show. I mean, this is the problem with Lucas's prequels, <laughs> is, that, is that all of us wanted a Star Wars movie for us, but we fell in love with Star Wars in 1979 right. when we were three or whatever, you know. And uh, then we're like, and Lucas, you know, it, 
you know, says, no, I'm making this, I'm making movies for kids. You were kids, you fell in love with Star Wars, I'm making it for today's, you guys want to come along? Fine. You know, now I didn't like the prequels for the, that, you know, but at least I get where he's coming from, you know, and I think you could do it right with Star Trek. I mean, Abrams, I think, did it right. Right. He wasn't shooting for 14-year-olds, but at least 20-year-olds, you know, and you look at that movie and it did appeal to younger people. Yeah. See, you're a lot more forgiving of George Lucas than I am. He he raped my childhood with a sprinty broom handle, broom handle, and no lubricant. <laughs> you know, plus it seems so like intense. in the end there he was writing for merchandising and and Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you know, I could I could go on, and I, I you know I'm no lover of the prequels, but I get what right. he was doing, and um, I think it's okay to try to appeal to a younger audience. I don't think that's a bad thing when people are like, no, you know, you know, it's like, you know, should franchises age with you when they reboot or should they try to do what they did at the beginning? Mm. You know, and uh, I, yeah, I think it's great, you know, when you go to some Star Trek conventions now, when you see some younger people, and I did, we did some screenings in LA and uh, we did like a Star Trek trivia contest at the screening and um, these girls came up to me, and they were all, like, young, attractive, 20-somethings. And they're like, we didn't know any of the yeah. answers because you weren't asking about the new movie, you know, and that's all we know, yeah. you know. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, yeah. it didn't even occur to me that people like them would sh- show up to some nerdy screening, you know. But they're out there. There's new fans. And um, I think that's great, you know. That's what you we got to create for that. If Star Trek fandom is going to survive another 30 or 40 years, you got to write and bring younger people into it. Yeah, you know, right. I, I totally agree with that. Um, I myself was not a Star Trek fan until three years ago when uh, the movie came out. <clears throat> Before that, you know, I was sort of aware of Star Trek. You know, I'd seen a few episodes of The Next Generation, but for the most part, I was a Star Wars guy, you know. So, you know, 2002 or 2009, I was 22. I went to go see the movie, and by the end of the credits, like it was like my posture had been like completely like corrected. Like I was standing a lot taller. I could feel like something, you know, something had woken up inside I me. Mean, I've become since then, you know, a much more deeply involved fan of the show. It looks like he's Brian dying to say something. So please go ahead. As he's chewing a jelly baby. <laughs> right now, you put me on the spotlight. Thank you. I figured I had enough time. Um. Yeah, I, I'm in a similar boat, but, you know, with the last name and the whole <laughs> Picard thing, as a kid, there was a lot of ridicule. Yeah, he got beat up. So I, uh, no, no beat up, just a lot of name calling. So I sort of distanced myself from the whole Star Trek thing. Was I was the biggest fanboy uh, for Star Wars that you could possibly know. Um, I used to talk tons of smack about um, Star Trek. But then as I got older and I matured and I was able to, like, see what was going on, and I have to say Netflix helped a whole lot, because you sit there and you watch it from the beginning to the end, you can actually see what people are talking about. Now, if you just come in, like, like you're talking about Deep Space Nine, you come in and, like, one episode, season four, because it's on its syndication, you just happen to be flipping through the channels, you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea who the Dominion is. You have no idea, you know, who the founders are, and they're talking about these people like, you know, like, you just saw them. Like, you should know everything. But that was the thing about, you know, Next Generation, is you could sit down there and watch one episode and not necessarily have to have seen the episode before it, which was handy. And it was a lot like the original series in that respect. But I was more, you know, the movie thing. But as I came, came, <clears throat> as I came into the Star Trek and I just got deeper and deeper, I realized that, you know, maybe you guys are onto something. And... Uh, <laughs> 
and and it sort of slowly consumed everything. And uh, I, and now really people will ask me, well, Star Wars or Star Trek, and I go, I can't choose. Why do you? But I'm wearing choose? Star Trek. Right. <clears throat> you shouldn't. I, I love Star Wars as much as Star Trek. You know, I don't have, run a Star Wars site because there is one called TheForce.net, and it's great. That's, you know, but if there wasn't one, I would launch one, you know, because I love it just as much. You know, so the, I, the notion that you have to choose. Now, sure, you know, we've always put up fun Star Wars versus Star Trek, you know, mm-hmm. arguments on the side or videos. But, you know, there, it isn't a choice, you know. Now, Stargate, that's, that thing sucks. Oh, whoa, whoa. Kidding, I like Stargate too. Just kidding. All just right, kidding. I, was about to, I was about to jump but the Farscape. Table. Now, that's, I, that's just, it's a line I'm not going to cross. Muppets in space, you mean? Dude, are you serial? <laughs> so one thing, you know, he was mentioning uh, Netflix. You're just tossing my life, like, on the ground now. Like, all the shows I love. So, just quickly back on topic, I think we can all attribute the, some revitalized interest to Star Trek in Netflix. Yes. Thank God for Netflix. Seriously. Yes, Netflix killed the video store, uh, but you know what? It's, it's also, the, the, in my opinion, one of the best inventions of the modern day. I love being able to get, go onto my computer, go onto my Xbox, go onto my phone, my phone, and watch an episode of Star Trek or an episode of, insert random TV show here, Doctor Who, Torchwood. By the way, quick point. If you guys go to like CBS.com, you can watch streaming episodes of the original series, just letting you know. If you don't have Netflix for whatever strange reason. I don't know anyone who doesn't it's, have it's, Netflix. It's also on um, something called Amazon. Uh, what? Yes. Every, yes. Star, every episode of Star Trek, including the animated series, is available streaming on Netflix and on Amazon. Um, for They charge $7.99 a month at, at uh, Netflix. Amazon is like... Seventy dollars a year, I forget. Uh, for Amazon Prime, CBS dot com is ad supported, so you have to watch it with ads. Yeah, and and you know, if, I mean, if you have a modern TV, what? No, it includes every every Enterprise the TV show. Now the feature films are not on Netflix, but last week it was announced that uh, uh, Amazon. And CBS or not? No, Paramount Pictures cut a deal, so the Star Trek or most of the Star Trek films are going to be on Amazon. I'm still trying to figure it out. That I talked to Paramount on Friday. Just original series. Just no, no, and original series. Enterprise. Not Enterprise was yet. there. It not did they like, take it off? Yeah, I was there literally two days when I was at work and I was really bored. <laughs> and I was watching uh, the one where those guys uh, come from that other galaxy and like basically Scotty has to get the guy so drunk and he has to <laughs> drink him. I'm fr- I forgot the name of that one. That was very descriptive, Neil. I loved it. Yeah. Were you were you drunk at work? <laughs> no. CBS is at least the original no. series, and I think it's in HD. They used to have it. The animated series in Enterprise, maybe those were removed. Probably. Um, well, except you have to no. watch commercials and you have to watch it on your computer. Most TVs... You can do it on Blu- your phone. Most TVs and Blu-ray players, you know, you buy today, you have Netflix built into it. <coughs> Seven ninety-nine. I mean, Netflix is... Why about the ones in which you have to watch the commercials? Yes, they're free, but you watch the commercials. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Well, well, and sanity. 
Right, and nothing's on Hulu for some reason. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Anyway, so, but no, I mean, uh, you, you were, I mean, Anthony, you were saying that the, the movies may be appearing on Amazon? Uh, yeah, Amazon and, and cut a deal with Paramount for all sorts of movies. Top Gun, you know, the big library, and so they'll be available as part of the Prime. And, and for some reason, they, I said, what movies? And they sent me the list, and, I, and it was all the movies except for Star Trek, you know, the J.J. movie, which makes sense because that's, you know, FX is paying money for to broadcast that on TV now. Constantly. But the, uh, yeah. But so if you have FX, you can see that for free. Um, but it, Star Trek Three wasn't on the list. And so I sent him an email back saying, why one, two, and then four through ten? And then they're like, oh, wait, that might be wrong. Don't put that out there yet. So um, so I think it's probably all the movies, um, but uh, they're still working it out. And those are going to be all streaming. Again, no commercials if you're part of Amazon Prime. So Amazon will actually be better than Netflix because it'll be the whole Star Trek catalog, essentially. Do we? Oh, this lady's got a right. question. <laughs> no, that was Star Trek Four. Oh, okay. No, they, yeah. yeah. So. Did Well, if you buy, if you go to Best Buy or whatever, any DVD player, I'm sorry, Blu-ray player, for eighty dollars or more, will usually have Net Netflix built into it. You still have to pay seven ninety nine, but that means you know, or TV or my TV, like Sony TVs, but most modern you know HD TVs have a have a function where you could pull up Netflix, Amazon, Pandora, NPR. Yeah, so if you subscribe to Netflix, because the whole thing, you know, it's like, you know, who wants to watch uh, stuff on their computer? You know, the, 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 so the, going to CBS.com is kind of lame because it's like, oh, yeah, I could watch on my computer. So the net, you know, I'd, but uh, most TVs and Blu-ray players that you buy today, you could do it on your TV and just like a DVD, you know. Uh, but the, the Enterprise and the original series are in HD, but it's 720i. If you want to get full 1080 you have to rent the Blu-rays for the original series. Enterprise, they haven't released Blu-rays, and I don't think they ever will. <laughs> but they are um, making Blu-rays for the next generation right now, and those are the HD I versions. Already, I thought those were supposed to be out in, like, November or something. The first one comes out in July. Oh. I've seen early episodes. I've seen some of the special features. It's going to cost about $80 a season. Um, prices might go down, but I'm telling you, it's the best thing. It makes you love the next generation again. They've got 7.1 audio, um, the, the, the new special effects, but not George Lucas special effects. It, it just looks amazing. The it, death of Tasha Yar in 720p. Oh yes. my God! Like well, no, no. Now it's well, now data is fully functional in 1080 1080p. Yeah. So. Oh, I'd love to see the deleted scenes from that one. Yeah. So, Six foot one and three tons of fun. <laughs> Not a fat ass, but robotic badass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, think of um, how significant that is, uh, the streaming um, phenomenon, thanks to God, um, on uh, Star Trek. You know, <coughs> if you think about it, like um, how accessible the show is now. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. And the, and the fact that, you know, if you're above the age of three, you know how to use the internet at this point. Right. You know? So, so you have a broader audience, but also, you know, the, the back catalog is, you know, so easy to get to. And there's so much. It's so easy to just delve literally headfirst into Star Trek nowadays. That's Netflix.com. Yeah. No. Yeah, okay. if you don't have an account, get one. What's wrong with you? So or Amazon. Interesting idea. Think about it like this. Gene Roddenberry died before the internet really made a splash, before the internet and the free information thing came out. Right. His idea of this whole 
you know, united earth, no money, no crime, no anything. I think it would be in his best... If he were alive today, he would have found a way to put all Star Trek for free for everyone. Somehow. I know he would have. I... No, no. Gene Roddenberry was a visionary and all that, but you know he 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 liked money just as much as the next guy. Right, but and he, he already made quite his... a bit, and right. uh, so well, and not only that, you know he he sold the you know he did he had no control over Star Trek after Star Trek the motion picture. He pretty much sold everything in 1980. So his name was attached to the movies and stuff like that, and then he came back for Next Generation. But you know Gene is a great guy, but you know. He, you know, when people talk about Star Trek as if, you know, like, oh, I can't believe they're putting this stuff out and they're charging money for it. It's, Star Trek is not a religion. It's not a way of life. It's not a lifestyle. It is a product. It is a brand. It is owned by CBS and Paramount Pictures. They have every right to make money off it, and we have every right to buy it or not buy it, you know. But it's, it is, you know, the, it shouldn't – just because they talked about a utopian future without money doesn't mean – the, it suddenly should be free. You know, you know, they're spending money making this stuff. It's not a chararity. I like no. to akin like it to like, di- like Disney parks, the places where dreams come true for a price. Exactly. Yes. You know. And Major Barrett needs jewelry. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Well, the late Major Barrett. <laughs> Needed. No, as, as we discussed earlier in our earlier panel, Sir Gene Roddenberry passed away in 91. Yeah. Sir, over there, the red shirt, what's going on? He believed in everything he was saying. I'm, you know, I'm just saying that he. And if the show's going anywhere, I mean, the Star Trek is going anywhere. I think they, that's what they need to dig back into. If you want to reach a 14 year old, start writing about his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it needs to be relevant to people. Yeah. Now, there, there is a thing about in the 60s, if you wanted to write about racism, it was controversial, but you could do it in a science, science fiction context. And, you know, allegory was a powerful weapon. Now, today, you could write about racism and sexism and violence, and you almost don't need allegory as much anymore because, you know, TV, like I said, has changed. And in in a modern world, um, you know, they're not going to stop you from writing an episode about um, racism or homosexuality or or anything, really. I mean, you know, network TV. What? Well, I mean, you know, Star Trek, yeah, it's, it's marketed worldwide, but, I mean, for the most part, it's focused on the English-speaking world where it does well. It actually doesn't do that well, besides Germany, for some reason, outside of... Yeah, the Germans, same ones who love David Hasselhoff. Germans love David Hasselhoff and Star Trek, especially the next generation. But, like, you go to, you know, if you look at the statistics and the sales figures, Star Trek doesn't do very well in Latin America. It's laughed at. You know, you look at the last J.J. Abrams movie, the Hannah Montana movie did more in Italy and France and Spain than the J.J. Abrams movie. That's um, yeah, you know. it is. And you look at the one before that, like in Japan, 
the Star Trek Nemesis opened and closed within 10 days in Japan. You know, I think it ran on like four theaters in Tokyo, and that was it. You know, so though it, in defense of the Hannah Montana movie, it was actually really good. <laughs> oh my god! No, and, 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 and it did have fewer lens flares. I imagine. Did, did you see it, it? I did see it. <laughs> uh, I actually sat down and watched it with Cher and like Clay once. Oh my god! Yeah, no. Oh, was, I, I can understand that. Yeah. I, you just explained that, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was and, uh, pretty good. You guys were speaking about that uh, that vision. And I agree 100% with what you're saying about it being a product. And I also, but something I'd like to think is true, and I hope it's true, is that some people may be getting drawn to it because of that vision that they're seeing. And maybe it's inspiring some people in a world that's really messed up right now. And maybe some people will be, you know, more drawn to science and discovery and things like that. So we can finally boldly go, you know, where no one's gone before. That would be really cool. (laughs) There is no doubt that, uh, you know, compared to. I would say, and this is one thing that I do think is different between Star Wars and Star Trek. Star Wars is, first of all, it takes place a long, long time ago, right? And, uh, and it's really more of a fantasy. Star Trek is a vision of our future, and it is a hopeful vision of our future. And a lot of people find comfort and, and in that vision. A lot of, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, one of the things they love about Star Trek is it, it's show that there's a place for me in the future. You know, a lot of people who, you know, like, no, you know, uh, minorities or, you know, disabled people or, you know, just people who are different and nerdy and awkward, you know, just felt like there's something. Barkley, you mean. Yeah, yeah exactly. Lieutenant Barkley. Right. Not, yeah, the Jedi are just, you know, supernatural beings, really, you know, whereas in the future you kind of think, oh, yeah, you know, I could be a member of Starfleet and be accepted and know, you know, no one would look down on me, you know, and, and that's something I, I could feel part of. And so I do think that there is more to it, obviously. I'm just saying that, you know, uh, there's still a reality that it oh, is, you know. Fair. But, yeah. uh, no, I think there is, compared to other things, and I think that that's part of the longevity is, of the series, is that it does have a message, um, and it's a message that stayed consistent through most of the incarnations you, you know, there there are times in Star Trek, you know, because I just recently, you know, pretty much watched all of it. <clears throat> there are times when it does get pretty preachy with this message, but I think you know Star Trek is really best when it mixes it up with you know pew pew lasers, green, green yeah. alien babes, stuff like that. Entertainment. Yeah. Right. I think you know, and they do it. Really it's well. it's a matter of hiding the message well, you know, amongst a an intriguing storyline with some sexy green ladies in there and there. Yeah. You know, it's it's. It's a subtle message, and that's what I think Star Trek does well. It doesn't isn't always, you know, in your face preaching, but there's always that subtle storyline, it's a subtle lesson to be learned, essentially. Right. Instead of mistaking it for reality, maybe we could use it to inspire a better one. Hopefully, so. that guy's arm's gonna fall off. <laughs> your backup. I'm just saying, if there were people out there who really loved it, they'd make it happen. And if you, I'm just saying, you know, we're here. We showed up just to talk about it. If you got enough people who love making movies and doing Star Trek themselves, like you look at the uh, the Turkish uh, uh, Star Trek knockoffs, or you look at the online, you know, uh, comic or comics, uh, the online episodes that are going on that are supposed to be the continuation of the five year um, journey, you know. 
those things, you know, those things happen. They aren't the best things, but if, you know, in an ideal situation, it'd be great if uh, there were people out there who really loved it. Like, I don't know, uh, millionaires like Seth MacFarlane just took his own money and did it rather than waiting for other people to uh, get off off their duff and do it. I think you know, he talks about wanting to have this new series, but he's not doing anything really to push it forward. He's not willing to offer his own money up. But so Seth would rape our childhood. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. If people really love it, they'll find a way. And people who love doing it will do it. I think if we were ever... There's a number of Star Trek fan films, which are just people who said, hey, let's build a Star Trek set, dress up, and film ourselves and put it on the internet. Um, you know, there's Star Trek Farragut, there's Star Trek Phase 2, which used to be called Star Trek New Voyages, there's Star Trek Hidden Frontier, Star Trek Intrepid, um, you know, just, you know, use the Google. It's going to, you know, there's a, it's a lot out there, and um, some of it's... Difficult to watch. <laughs> um, some of it's pretty good, you know, and it's all free, so it's all worth the money, you know, that's for sure. Uh, I, I just wanted to add There's up. a lot of love in every single one, from the worst to the best. It's all done from love, and people who just want to be in Star Trek and play Star Trek and have fun. And, you know, it, it, but, you know, it won't look like a $2 million episode of Enterprise. Or you know you know, but it will. You know, it'll be something. How much Mo- money on it, and it came out that bad? No, <laughs> Mo- it seems. I'm sorry, I had to seems a little most fun. of it is is in this in the original series universe. I think a lot of that is because it's it's the you know you could actually build an original series set and and costumes for a lot cheaper than you know if you think about you look at the Enterprise set. And you think, yeah, there's a lot of LCD monitors around there. That's not going to be easy to build one of those, even if you wanted to make a, f- a fan film. Although one guy did it in Germany with um, action figures, and it was actually pretty oh, cool. Really? <laughs> <laughs> he did a kind of a whole stop motion, you know. So there's all sorts of interesting stuff out there, you know. So it, it was Star movie. Trek Chicken then. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, but I saw so many hands out there. People are saying they haven't watched every episode of Enterprise yet, or even every episode of Voyager. Or Deep Space Nine. If there's if there's a, a minute of Star Trek you haven't watched, then I implore you to go out and watch it. You know, Correct because that. it's new Star Trek. I wish I could have that experience again of watching a Star Trek episode that I haven't seen twice. You know, you know, it's it's try a uh, night of heavy binge drinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll remember the first half, but the second half will be completely new. <laughs> and they're also really fun if you just want to do the MST 3K thing with them. Right. <laughs> Several times. Several times. The 2009 J.J. Abrams Has anybody in this room not seen the new J.J. Abrams movie? That's, I mean, I wanted to... I've seen it. I'm so proud of this room. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's give ourselves a round of applause. I think everyone's seen it. I'm glad to see that most of you were not blinded by the lens flare. Uh, Right. 
you know, the next movie is going to be in 3D and IMAX. So, you know, that it might actually require a warning label or something. Right. So, no, you know, I read, though, that Abrams was quoted as saying, okay, I screwed up. I go back and watch it now and go, oh, that was a little excessive. You know, he was experimenting with this style. It was, you know, a lot of people, it was his second feature film as a director. Um, the first one was Mission Impossible 3. If you saw last summer's Super 8, which is kind of his homage to Steven Spielberg, you know, he was still doing the lens flares, but they weren't dangerous to the eyes as much. So I think, you know, from what I understand, the new movie that just wrapped last couple weeks ago, um, you know, there's still lens flares, you know, because that's his, that's his deal. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you just toned it down a bit, and, and yeah, but it's not going to be as much, you know. That's so um, weird, like because I don't, I don't when I watch it, and I've seen it ten times, I, I don't really notice it at all. There's yeah. only a couple times where like the whole screen's white, and you're like, "Come on, JJ, seriously." Right. But uh, and I don't know if you've seen like how they did it, but the the behind the scenes, you have Dan Mendel is the director of photography, mm-hmm. and he's holding these these big spotlight so you know if that's the camera he's off and then you know so here's Kirk and Spock then there's the director of photography like right over there with the spotlight aiming it at the camera it's like doing something that you shouldn't do you know like this is this is you know a mistake in most you know it's like no you don't want lights pointing directly at the, the film camera right. but that's how they did it you know and and then JJ would literally stand behind the camera and go like this with it to make the shaky cam feel, mm-hmm. and well, he had a, it's it's funny because Louis Neal did the exact same motion yeah, in the same discussion the other day in a previous the, panel. Yeah, he's like, oh, JJ, would be like, hmm, I did not know that. But, Sorry, but I, but I do want to take a step back or two. Um, how we were talking about a new series. <laughs> um, Sorry. I want to combine it with another thought of something else that's real big right now, and that's Star Trek Online. I mean, it's not huge, but I'm playing it. <laughs> It's pretty amazing, actually. I really, really dig Star Trek Online. um, Because for those of us that are dying for more Trek, it's the closest thing we're getting right now outside of waiting for the new Abrams film. And and it's probably the last... It's probably the last new thing and the furthest out thing in what's now referred to as the Prime Universe. Because as we all know, the J.J. Abrams movie did something different in Star Trek, which is they went back in time, they changed time... (laughs) And then they didn't change back. You know, if you go to, you know, you, you think of like City in the Edge of Forever or Star Trek First Contact, whenever they went back in time, they're like, oh, we need to, we need to reset the universe. And, the, you know, whereas in this new one, they considered it, <coughs> they, the new writers are like, well, we live in a quantum universe and where there's multiple timelines, you know, so we didn't destroy the old timeline. This is just a different timeline. And it, you know, and it doesn't, you know, we could argue whether that conflicts or not conflicts because the mirror universe, you know, always existed as a you know separate timeline. But anyway, but the Star Trek Online exists after Star Trek Nemesis, and includes some of the concepts from the Star Trek Countdown comic book as well, which was uh, set after Nemesis as well. It's in the year twenty five oh nine. It's actually, I think. Tw- or 24, yeah. Late, late 24, if I'm correct, it's 25, nine, it's between 24, 99, 20, maybe 25 at that point. It's in the 20, 20 uh, I mean, 24 or 9. It's yeah. in the 20, it's really far It's in the 25th now. century. Right, correct. Um, it's actually, I mean, it, it's, it, it's interesting to see because, I mean, again, for, again, me as a, me as a trekkie playing this game, and I've only just started playing, I'm not even that far into it. 
Um, but I'm like at a level 10 or 11, something like that. And um, it's interesting to see what they've done with as far as the history of the characters. And one of the cool things, whenever you change scenes, whenever you go to another area, as it's loading, it's basically giving you Trek trivia on the bottom of the screen every time. So it's, it's just kind of an interesting little tidbit that you get to learn more about things that you may not have known about Star Trek as you're playing the game. And it's also now free. Or, you know, it is free. Now, you may end up spending money, but it is, it's what you they, will spend they money. changed the model to what's called free-to-play or premium, or freemium, I'm sorry, yeah. recently. We'll come to that in just a minute, buddy. But uh, you get, so anyone could go to Star Trek Online and just start playing this game for free, and then eventually you may realize, like, oh, I want a special ship, or I want my crew to be wearing a special outfit, like the original series outfits, and you have mm-hmm. to pay, like, $2 for that. But you could go through the whole game and not pay anything and still keep on playing the game and enjoying it. Right. Um, uh, so there's, you know, it's, not, it's worth checking out just, just for that, you know. And there's a lot of community in there. Some people just hang out at the star bases and chat with people. You know, there's voice chat, too. Um, there's so, PvP, isn't there? I don't want to talk the, to other the nerds. The PvP is pretty... I didn't try it yet, but I've heard about it's it. It's terrible. Is but, it? you know, they, they've acknowledged that it's terrible, and they're going to try to fix it. Uh-huh. Um, besides throwing out phrases like PvP, that means player versus player. You're usually playing player versus environment or PvE, which means just like a normal video game. But you can, you know, fight, the, you know, fight against Klingons um, who are real people as well. Um, and you can be a Klingon once you reach a, a level 25... Starfleet officer, you can make a Klingon character. Right, which, it's the Klingon Empire and their allies. Right, so you can be a Klingon, a Gorn, right. and a few a, others. A Breen, I believe. Wouldn't um, surprise me. A Breen kicked my butt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I think of that the timelines, there are different dimensions, right? I think of them as cosmic friend dimensions. Sure. Well, Wait, are we are we talking about reality or Star Trek now? I've lost. Because there's a lot of data set and. Are you asking? asking in real are you asking? World. Is there any proof that time travel exists? Yes, that's exactly what he just asked. Okay, I just want to say: Is anyone in this room a time traveler? And and if it violates the. Uh, Okay, well, there we go. There you go. Haven't you all violated this? Watch this, watch this. I'm going to travel at the speed of time. <laughs> Welcome, people of the future. You're so beautiful. Okay, I think there was another question back there. Uh, in the, Yasha. The guy in the wig. What? Santa cat. <laughs> Santa cat. You are wearing a wig, aren't you, or is that your hair, sir? Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to assume, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> you know what? I want, to, I, want to talk, I want to take this one as far as literature with Star Trek. Literature with Star Trek is like looking at literature with Doctor Who or Star Wars. There is so much out there by anyone who wants to write it. 
none of it can be considered canon unless it's approved by, in this case, really the executive producers of whatever show is doing it at the time. So my opinion on on outside literature of Star Trek, except for a few rare scenarios where a they make acknowledgments. Books, a few comic books. Yeah, I'm getting to that. <laughs> Don't jump the gun there. Well, it's a bit, Don't jump the phaser. Unless they make reference to it in a series, a televised series, I do not consider it to be canon. Well, I mean, it isn't officially canon. Right. But that doesn't mean you can't... Enjoy it. Enjoy the... If you want to know what happened to Captain Picard after Nemesis and, and, and Data and all the... Well, no, not Data because he's still dead in right. the books. But the... Um, you know, and spoiler alert, he marries Beverly. Sorry. No um, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, Riker went off. I mean, there's a whole series of books. You know, at the end of it, uh, Nemesis, uh, Riker uh, says, yeah, I'm off to the USS Titan. There's about half a dozen books on set on the USS Titan. Yeah. Um, so there is a thriving. If some of them are great. Any book written by David Mack is great, I would say. Um uh, so if you're a nitpicker and really love the details, this guy named Christopher L. Bennett, all of his books are really great for people who love the details of the minutiae. He just wrote a, another book that came out last month, and it's all about the Department of Temporal Investigation. Remember those two guys Ooh. who, um, yeah, and they came on board to interview uh, 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 Cisco um, and Bashir, you know, and, them. and they, you know, and they joke about. Captain Kirk's files. The, the the movie that came out or the book that came out last month is them going back to deal with Captain Kirk and you know time travel to try to fix the timeline. So there's all sorts of interesting. There's a new ongoing series set in the new movie universe of comic books, and they're dropping hints for the next movie in in the comic books. Um, so you know, not huge plot, you know, but like little things, like um, yeah, so. Th- those are worth checking out, and there's a new one launching next week for you Doctor Who fans. I'm, I already have it on reserve, Anthony. I'm so excited. I've actually read it already. It's pretty good. I hate you. Um, <laughs> Burning hell. Anyway, the, um, where it is, and I, this is a true story. They, it is a officially licensed crossover between Doctor Who and Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, so it's moved from the world of fan fiction to actual fiction. Um, you know, and, and, you know, these things aren't part, you know, they're not officially part, but they are official products, and there's certainly, you know, there's 12 books a year, I think, roughly, um, and, uh, you know, a few dozen comics, and it's worth, uh, it's worth checking out, for sure. Just go to Amazon, and all the comic books get collected into trade paperbacks, so, uh, there's a ton of them on Amazon. So, I mean, you have to be really into comics to want to get every issue as it comes out. Um, I don't mean to cut you off, sir. I'm very sorry, but we got about ten minutes left. Time? I know we have a few more questions that we want people to discuss. Okay. We got Kirk down here. Yeah. Okay, so you guys bagged on Enterprise, and I did too, but I went through it. But the way they ended it was phenomenal. Yeah. I just think that not everything has to be shiny and bright. Absolutely. Right. Have a, like a standalone Terran Empire series that would go. Ooh, Ooh. that would be cool. I don't think a Terran Empire series would work. Doesn't mean I wouldn't enjoy every single second of it. But a movie. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, I, not an Enterprise I, I movie. Loved, I love just... what they did, but again, Star Trek. What makes Star Trek great is that it's relevant to us, and uh, 
a series set in a alternate evil universe is not relevant to us. It's relevant to the people who live in that alternate evil universe, perhaps. Not relevant to some of us. You know, unless you are. Is there anyone here from the mirror universe? Okay. I'm actually the evil one. That's why I have the right. beard. Right. I had to kill him so there would be no questions. Uh, well, front. Okay, hello, Kitty. There's got a question. No, no, not at I all. I thought it was brilliant. We, we were talking earlier about how awesome the casting was. I mean, did, did we figure no, out who that Orion girl was? Okay, yeah. who's your who's your beef with? Chris, Chris, you don't Pine. like Chris Pine. Oh, he had. You didn't like. Name Why not? name a thirty like? name a thirty year old actor that would have done a better job. He was playing a twenty four. Ryan Reynolds. God no. What? I do not want Van Wilder Brad, being Kirk. Bradley Cooper. You know. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, I'm... Matt Damon. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you know... Charlie Sheen, actually. I would vote for Captain Charlie oh Sheen. My God. I thought that Best he, Captain he's Star- always winning. There is a no-lose scenario with him. <laughs> yeah, I, my view is, I mean, some people had an issue with Kirk, but Kirk was going on an arc in that movie. He was going on the arc of jerk to Kirk. And so, you know, you have to take, you know, the early versions of him and the bar and stuff like that. That's all part of his arc as a character moving towards the Kirk. We know and that the essence of Kirk was within him that you don't that you eventually see by the end of the film, I think. So, yeah, you know, he wasn't acting like the Kirk we knew early in the film, but that was the point. Um, I think in the next movie, he's now captain of the Enterprise. He's wearing the gold shirt. Um you know, and, and hopefully Spock's less of a jerk in this one too. You know, and he wasn't going to do. Here's the thing: like Carl Urban, everyone loves his role, and I think he was great. He was doing DeForest Kelly. He was yeah. literally <laughs> doing a DeForest Kelly. Yeah. The thing is, he's from New Zealand. He can't talk in his normal voice because it'd be like, "Why is Doctor McCoy, a Southern doctor, suddenly set, you know sound like a Kiwi?" That would be ridiculous. So he always has to do a voice. If he's going to do a voice, he might as well do DeForest Kelly. Num tongue. Num Right. So, um, Chris Pine. If Chris Pine did Shatner, people would be laughing immediately in the first light. He couldn't do. He only did Shatner once at the end, and when when he comes back on the bridge and he goes bones, you know. But that you know, um, you know. But that's you know that was it because he otherwise it would have been a joke, you know. And they knew that, so I think it was the right mix of, you know. But I. Well, remember, in this Kirk case, this Kirk didn't have his father to raise him and, and teach him the values that original Kirk had. Um, so it's an entirely different character. I mean, this is the Kirk for a new generation, essentially. Um, but I mean, that's just, just my opinion. But, no, but that is a very good point, is that this, of anyone in this new universe, Kirk is the one who's the most different because Nero came back in time and killed his daddy. Right. So, you know, he grew up in a totally different way. Instead of having his father, he had this abusive uncle. Um, and so what we see in the film, and Spock comes in, Spock Prime, you know, to help move him on the journey towards his great destiny of being the captain of the Enterprise. But we only saw him as really the captain of the Enterprise for 
two minutes or less. Right. We got five minutes left, and Star Wars Girl here has been patiently waiting for quite some time. We actually skipped her earlier, so what's going on? Your friends suck. You need new friends. You need new friends. We're all I think the friends you need. Pick some here. Go to Amazon again. I was just wondering what you thought, besides the movie, because they kind of liked the movie, but what you thought might be the best thing to try and maybe get them into the universe. TNG. Well, you know what? I, I, I'd, I'm like, I'd like to each, each, each opinion, so Anthony, go first. I'm sorry. You're the most I, I would say... I, you know, this is going to sound sexist, but I've learned this from a lot of. Uh, I, I would have them try Voyager because a lot of you know women I found really like Voyager because it has strong female characters, um, and it is you know I like Voyager, and I think that there's a lot of Voyager that uh, you know so you know pick a, you know some of the top five Voyager episodes, and there's five. Them. There's five. <laughs> I can't think of two. I would try that, you know, um, but you know. It, totally depends on who they are, you know, and if they're even into science fiction to begin with, you know, if they don't like, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate, it's going to be hard to get them into anything, even, even, you know, the best, but that's, you know. I, I loved how, as soon as you mentioned Voyager, Anthony, there were several, like, grimaces of pain in the, in the audience. Or if they're guy friends, show them Enterprise. Yeah, so yeah, if you hate your friends, show them Enterprise. Start with like some of the movies. Yeah. I mean, movies are fun to watch. Like Wrath of Khan is always good. Don't Actually, some slow motion. Yeah. That's dumb. yeah, I mean that. That's certainly the movies. That's why I meant slow motion picture. Yeah, I will say the first Trek movie I saw as a child was Wrath of Khan, and um, that instantly made me love Kirk, hands down. I like the one with the whales. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Can you help me find the nuclear whistles? <laughs> you, you'll have to. Wait. You had the part of my whistles? friend. Double had, dumbass on you. You had the part of my friend. He did too much LDS in the 60s. LDS in the 60s. Double dumbass. <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, the whale one is great if you're five. I was five. I know. That's why it's great. Uh, it's a joke from the, uh, joke from the film movie, in yeah. question. Any All other, right, um, so we got two minutes. Questions. Any last comments, questions, concerns, gripes, grievances? Still no. Not since the last time you asked. <laughs> Wait, let me check again. Yeah, Wait, I feel no. Like, no. The, the, I feel like I'm in a time warp. Negro and Montoya. Yes, Anthony, tell us about the new movie. Well, what, I, does anybody here want... I mean, here's the basic stuff. comes out May 17th. Spoilers. Um, it's got a bigger, bigger budget. It's going to be in 3D, um, but it'll also be in 2D. They shot some of an IMAX. They wrapped last week. Uh, they are doing some second unit shooting next month in um, Iceland. Come on, man. Tell um, us the good stuff. Are there going to be Klingons? Um, so all the, all the cast is back. Same crew is back. Um, the guest stars are uh, the, the Benedict Cumberbatch is playing the villain. He's from Sherlock. You know who he is. Um, Peter Weller. You're not giving us what? what we want. Peter Weller? Peter. Robocop himself? Robocop is in the film. Um, you and, mean Praxton? Uh, an actress named Alice Eve, who is in uh, She's Out of Your League, super hot, but actually a good actress, is, mm-hmm. is uh, also those three main big actresses. Um, for some spoilers, anyone here not want to hear spoilers? 
Anyone? No, okay. I think we're all dying, so let's just do this. Okay, well, again, none of this is official. You know, this is all unofficial. They won't acknowledge anything. The movie doesn't even have a name. Um, but Klingons are back. Um, so yeah. in the movie. Give it up for the Klingons! Um, Leonard Nimoy may or may not be in it. Um, you know, there's conflicting accounts. He seemed he once implied it, there was there was some reports that he was. Then he walked those back pretty backpedal pretty fast. So let's just say he might be in the movie. Um, William Shatner's probably not in the movie, even though he desperately wants to be in the movie. Um, um, the that uh, doesn't have a name yet. Uh, probably the biggest spoiler is that the. Um, Villain. Cumberbatch is playing Khan Noonien. Woo! Yeah! Return of Khan. I love this. But but the important thing to note is that they aren't aren't remaking Wrath of Khan because you can't. Thank God. Khan can't be wrathful because, you know, um, they haven't met him yet. But they're also not making the first, you know, the the Space Space Seed is the first episode with Khan and they're not, they're not doing that. So think of, think of, uh, uh, the Dark Knight, where Christopher Dolan used the Joker in a totally new and different and interesting way. And I'm not saying it's going to have the same feel as that, but these guys always talk about how Christopher Dolan revitalized the Batman franchise. So they you know, says, use a character that people know and, and love and is interesting and is on the top ten list of biggest villains, but don't, you know, use him exactly the same way. So character isn't story. I mean, the last movie had a bunch of characters that have been used before, but the story was new and different. Um, so uh, so we'll be seeing Khan, and I, I don't know if I'm forgetting any spoilers. Cupcake's back. That's a new spoiler. Oh, I, nice. I, you know. um, right. And they gave him a name Sergeant from the Cupcake. original series. Um, Endorf, exactly, from the uh, Apple. So um, we do have to wrap up because we've officially gone past our time at this point. Okay. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming to uh, Star Trek Lives Again. Thank you for coming to Comic-Con, bringing socially inept nerds together for 10 plus years or something like that. I don't know.